0: How to tame, excuse me, how to tame your demon, how to tame your demon, open your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 13, beginning at verse four, Acts chapter 13, beginning at verse four. And if you don't feel the fear of the Lord right now, I don't know if you ever will because the fear of the Lord is gripping my heart right now, but also the authority of Jesus Christ, because we are addressing something in the Spirit tonight that transcends what you see in the natural. And so I want you to open your ears, I want you to grab a hold of your soul and grab it by the throat and make it attentive to the Word of the Lord tonight, because I am not playing tonight. Acts 13, verse 4, this is what it says. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, it's speaking of Paul and Barnabas, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Verse 6. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer. Look at your neighbor and say sorcerer. Sorcerer. And false prophet named Bar-Jesus who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil... And an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind. And for a time, you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your anointing would rest so strongly upon this word that it would break the back of the demonic attack that's coming against this house I declare victory over all of the sons and daughters of this house tonight, in Jesus' name. And I declare that we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. How many have seen the movie, How to Tame Your Dragon? You've seen it? How to Tame Your Dragon. Now, in the movie, How to Tame Your Dragon, it's about a little boy who comes from a long line of dragon slayers. And it's his time to step up and be accepted and embraced by his tribe as a dragon slayer. It's his time to take it to the next generation, to take it to the next level. And so he goes out in search of a dragon to kill. Now his people had been terrorized by dragons for generations dragons would come in and destroy their towns dragons would come in and steal their harvests. dragons would come in and kill their people and so the people finally rose up and determined we're no longer going to suffer under the tyranny of the dragon anymore but we are going to train ourselves to be dragon killers and so the people honed the art of dragon slaying over a period of many generations And this boy was to take that tradition to the next generation and become one of a whole other generation of dragon slayers, dragon killers. But what he discovered in the jungle that day was a dragon that was wounded by the tail and instead of killing it, he decided to try to tame it. Instead of killing it, he decided to try to befriend it. Now, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know how it turns out. All I know is that the idea of taming your dragon is completely ridiculous. As a believer of Jesus Christ, you come from a long line of many generations of demon slayers. The demonic is out there to kill you, and it is not just a metaphor for the evil in the world. The devil is real, he is alive, and he hates you. And believers in Jesus Christ in our generation and in our day and in our age have decided that instead of killing the devil and killing the demonic, let's make friends with it. I think what I can do is earn its trust and I can tame my demon. I think I can be friended. I think I can learn the tricks of the trade. To get that demon to do my bidding, that is, I know it's the devil, but I'm going to hold on to it because I think it'll do me some good. I'm not going to kill it. I'm going to tame it. You say, well, I'm not a demon tamer. Anytime you embrace something in your heart or mind that you know it's from the devil, you're trying to tame your demon. You hear believers say, well, I know this is the devil, but if you know it's the devil, then stop trying to tame your demon. Anytime you embrace unbelief and you know it's the devil. Now, if you don't know, there's a difference between ignorance and active disobedience. It's one thing when it's done in ignorance, but most of the time we knowingly embrace something that we know came from the devil. We embrace it in our hearts and we embrace it in our minds. And why do we embrace it? Because it feels good. It feels good to harbor uh, diso- it feels good to harbor unforgiveness in my heart. I know I need to forgive you, but I can't let you go because it feels good, and if I just want to hold on to it and and replay in my mind and heart what you did another day. And if if I can replay it in my heart, my mind and heart, what you did for another day, I may, it's, I'm just calling it processing. I'm just processing it. I gotta and then I gotta process it with Joseph, and then I gotta process it with Vivian, and then I gotta process it with Albertine. And I know that it's the devil. I know that God wants me to forgive you. I know that the blood of Jesus Christ has covered my sin and covered your sin. I know that it's not right, but I embrace it. Why? Because it feels good. I get a payoff, and I think what I can do is take that demon and tame it. Because I'm only embracing this one part of it. It's actually not going to take me any deeper. I'm just going to embrace this one part of it. You're taming your demon. Or you're trying to tame your demon. Now, there was a practice in the ancient world that still exists today. It's called sorcery. You ever heard of sorcery? Do you know what sorcery is? Sorcery is the attempt to manipulate the demonic. It's the attempt to gain control over the demonic and to use it for your own purposes. Sorcerers teach that yes, the demonic is evil, but instead of rebuking it and resisting it and rejecting it and having nothing to do with it, what we need to do is embrace it and tame it because we have power over it and we can gain control over it and use it to do our bidding. That's called sorcery. Now, there were two sorcerers in the book of Acts that the Bible tells us about. The first one's name was Simon Magus. He's called Simon in Acts chapter 8. History tells us that his last name was Magus, or Simon the Magician. He was well known in the city of Samaria and called the great power of God because he wowed the people by doing great signs and wonders, lying signs and wonders before their eyes. The thing that we all need to understand is that the demonic has power too. The devil can do signs and wonders just like Jesus can do signs and wonders. And the whole goal of demonic exhibitionism is to attract the eyes of the people, to make people say wow, so that people are deceived by this thing. Simon did signs and wonders, but he did it by trying to control the demonic. And when Philip came into the city, he had to face off against Simon Magus and they had a war, they had an exhibition fest. Simon was exhibiting the power of Satan and Philip was exhibiting the power of God. Simon took a look at the works, signs and wonders that Philip was doing and recognized that what Philip was doing was more powerful than what the devil was doing by him. And he renounced that demonic power and was baptized and came into the faith. But when Peter and John came and began to lay hands and people were filled with the Holy Spirit... Then Simon became envious. You see, the thing is, just because you come to faith in Christ doesn't mean that there's not a residue of the work of the demonic in your heart. Sometimes there's more deliverance that needs to be done after you come to faith in Jesus Christ. There was a work of Satan that was so deep in Simon's heart that he couldn't see it until it was exposed in an encounter with two apostles, one named Peter and one named John. And he said, I'll give you money if you give me that anointing. The spirit of sorcery will, number one, seek to oppose the people of God and deceive them through demonic signs and wonders. Number two, it will seek to monetize the anointing. And whenever we are seeking to monetize the anointing, we begin to see the gospel as a means to financial end. We're stepping into the stream of the spirit of sorcery. I say to you that the anointing will not be pimped. God will not allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be pimped by men. And we got to get that in our heads now. And so Peter said, your money can die with you. You and your money can go to hell. You thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. And he said, for I perceive that you have been poisoned by bitterness. That's how sorcery gets in. And that's how it gets started. You were poisoned by bitterness. You started off by embracing a little tiny demon. You know, in that book, in that movie, Taming Your Dragon, he finds this little baby dragon. It doesn't look too harmful. Just a little baby dragon with a hurt tail. Oh, let's just, let's not kill it. Let's just take this little baby dragon and cuddle it. You know, it starts with just a little bit of bitterness that you find out in the jungle. And if you just take it in and, and cuddle it, you poor little thing, you, you poor little thing, it's, you know, you know, you just get, just embrace that bitterness. I think I can tame it. But, but Peter says you were poisoned by it. And because you've been poisoned by bitterness, you've been bound by iniquity. If you can allow the devil to poison you with bitterness, you can allow him to bind you with iniquity. You find that you're in chains of iniquity because you started out by allowing the poison of bitterness to seep into your system. And he says, you can die with your money because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. And I perceive, he's speaking prophetically, that a long time ago you got hurt and you didn't handle it correctly and so you got bitter. And you embraced that bitterness and it grew to the point where you became bound by, the, by iniquity and now the devil holds you as his captive to do his bidding. And all of a sudden, a true spirit of repentance hits, hits Simon Magus. The spirit of sorcery is only broken by confrontation it is not cuddled away it is not passively counseled away it's only broken by confrontation that is somebody's got to get up in our face and say what is happening in your life is a work of darkness and it stops now what peter did there was the most loving thing that he could have done for this man he knew in this situation notice peter doesn't speak this way to everybody. He didn't tell everybody to go to hell. I mean, you might read this and say, man, Peter was mean. I don't think I would use that methodology. You know, I find in the ministry that you've got to treat each person according to what the situation calls for and according to what they need to get set free. Peter knew that the only way I could get this guy free was to get in his face. The thing is the spirit of sorcery works on you at such a level of subtlety and sophistication that you have no idea what's happening and you can be lulled into a place where you're held captive by it and not even know it until it's too late. Somebody has to jerk you away. Nobody can, can try to coddle you there and try to convince you there. You have to be jerked awake. This is a wake-up call tonight. Because there's some Simon Magus here and you don't know it. Take it to another level. The second sorcerer in the book of Acts shows up in Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas, and we just read about it in this passage... Paul and Barnabas just got done with a powerful prayer meeting in the city of Antioch. It says there were prophets and teachers in Antioch, and Paul and Barnabas were among them. And it says they got together and had a prayer meeting, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now, when it says they had a prayer meeting, it doesn't mean two two hours one Friday night or an hour and a half one Thursday. They were there for days, fasting, praying, ministering to the Lord, worshiping. Ministering to the Lord means they were worshiping. Somebody had a guitar. And you know, Mickey was up there and playing his guitar. And they were singing and worshiping for days. Fasting. And in the midst of that prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, Separate Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. They set them apart. They lay their hands on them. They fast and pray over them. When the fast comes to an end, they send them out. They took an offering and they sent them out. And the first place they went was an island called Cyprus. They preached in every city on that island. had great ministry. But then they come to the city called Paphos. And one of the leading Civic leaders in that city was a a man by the name of Sergius Paulus. says he was an intelligent man. And so he called Paul and Barnabas and asked to hear the word of God. How many know that the most intelligent thing you can do is seek the word of the Lord? He was an intelligent man. And it says that Paul came and stood before him and began to preach. But while Paul was speaking, there was a man standing right next to him by the name of, get this, Bar. Jesus, which means son of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that Paul is preaching Jesus and son of Jesus is standing next to the proconsul, but what he's doing is trying to turn his heart away from the word of the Lord. Paul says Jesus is Lord and son of Jesus says Jesus is not Lord. Paul says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Son of Jesus says, He's not the way, the truth, and the life. He says, Jesus is the only way to be saved. And Bar Jesus says, no, 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 He's not the only way to be saved. He's there to refute. He's there to oppose. He's there to counteract and counter contradict everything that Paul is speaking by the word of the Lord. And the heart of Sergius Paulus is being turned away from what Paul is saying because of this man, this sorcerer, Bar Jesus, also called Elimis, in the Greek, Elumas. His heart is being turned away and suddenly Paul stops in his tracks and he doesn't simply look at Sergius Paulus and say, Stop listening to this man. He's trying to distort the right way of the Lord. He confronts directly the power that's opposing him. He speaks right to the Spirit And he says, you son of the devil. His name is son of Jesus, but Paul says, no, 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 let me set the record straight. Nothing you're doing is coming from Jesus. See, the thing you've got to understand about the spirit of sorcery is that it will mock righteousness. It looks right. It may even seem like it comes from Jesus. It might even start with the thus saith the Lord, but it comes from the devil. Paul says, let me set the record straight. You're not a son of Jesus. You're a son of the devil. You're full of all kinds of deceit and wickedness. You'll never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. So here's what's going to happen. Blindness is coming over you, and you're not going to be able to see for a while. And all of a sudden, a mist came over the guy, it says. A mist came over the man so that he could not see, and he had to be led about. And watch what happened. Sergius Paulus believed, the scripture says, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. The NIV says he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Was he astonished at what Paul taught? Was Paul teaching theology 101 and he was astonished? Or was he astonished when he saw the demonstration of power When he saw that the power of Jesus Christ is greater than the power of deception and the power of darkness. He was astonished when he saw that the power of Jesus Christ was judging this power of darkness. He was astonished and he believed. Now, let me tell you what all this amounts to. It's interesting to me that on Paul's first missionary journey, right out of the gate, his first apostolic journey, he had been saved about 14 years prior, he had met the Lord in the road to Damascus and then he spent years in the wilderness of Arabia with, and then he went back to Tarsus, his hometown. Notice he never writes a letter to the church at Tarsus. You ever see Paul writing a letter to the church at Tarsus? You know why? Because there wasn't one. He spent all those years there and absolutely no fruitful ministry whatsoever. The Apostle Paul, 14 years of fruitlessness in the ministry, but fruitfulness in revelation, first thing you need to understand is just because you're not healing the sick today doesn't mean God isn't with you. He might just have you in a season of revelation, but understand that every year that you're not out ministering, you're supposed to be home getting revelation. A lot of people say, well, maybe when God releases me in the ministry, then I'll get some revelation. No, get it now because you're going to need it then. You're hearing me. So there's no church at Tarsus because he had no effective ministry until Barnabas gets a hold of him, takes him to Antioch and introduces him to the church there. And then the Holy Spirit speaks through that church and sends him out. Listen, your fruitful ministry begins when God puts you in an apostolic house and sends you out from that house. It doesn't begin when you decide to break away and go on your own and do your own thing with no covering and no accountability because you want to do it. But when the Holy Spirit speaks through the church and says, go, suddenly you go in another level of authority. You know, I'm learning this and I'm seeing it firsthand. My spiritual father, Pastor Daniels, my wife and I went and preached in a city somewhere else. And, the pa- and we talked about our spiritual father. And afterwards, the pastor and his wife came to us and they've been ministering more than 30 years. The pastor and his wife took us out to lunch and said, introduce us to your spiritual father. We've never had one. We need one. They're older than he is. So I connected them. He came and preached at their church. And after the service, they said, will you be our spiritual father? He said, sure. He started pouring into their lives every week, every week, every week. Well, recently they went and did a conference in Kenya. He met them at the airport and he spoke over them and said, this year there will be miracles. I'm sending you in the power of God to work miracles, signs and wonders. Guess what happened? They got there and the lame walked and the blind saw and the deaf heard and there were great and mighty signs and wonders. They came back and when they saw me, they said, Benjamin, there were miracles. There's never been miracles. In all the years we've been doing conferences, all of our travels, All of there's never been miracles. You know why? They had never been sent before. Now they were sent. There was an apostolic sending. Just last week, I told you how my spiritual father talked to my father. And one of our, our friends of the family was bleeding to death and about to die. And he spoke to my father, said, you have full authority over this. Go into the hospital and heal her. Lay your hands on her and tell her you will live and not die. It is not your time. You're going to live. And my father went in the hospital, laid hands on her that morning. The doctors had just said, there's nothing else we could do. You're done. By the end of the day, she was completely well. I'm telling you, it's the real thing. Last night I got a a text from somebody. My son is having hallucinations. He's having fevers and he's going into convulsions. He's having a very, very high fever. He's very, very sick. Please pray for my son. And I spoke to him and I said, you have full authority over this. And I declare your son will be completely well by tomorrow morning. Guess what happened? The son slept soundly all night long. Woke up this morning completely well. And he wrote me back today and said, there's no sign of sickness in my son's body. He's completely well. Even the great Apostle Paul didn't have any authority until he was sent. And until he was sent from an apostolic house, until he was sent from under an apostolic covering, he had no authority to go. But when he went in authority, he went with full authority, and there was nothing that could stand in his way. But the spirit of sorcery tried its best to stand in his way. At the beginning, right out of the gate... There's no sign that he had ever dealt with the demonic before. You know, when, it, when you first get started, you know, when you first get started with anything, you want a safe place to experiment. When you preach your first sermon, you're hoping only 10 people are there. But what if your first sermon is before 10,000 people? When you cast out your demon, your first demon, you're hoping it's a little telephone demon or somebody, something, you know? You know what I'm talking about? You know, I can't stop talking on the phone. Come out in Jesus' name. And they get delivered. You know, man, that was easy. You know, you're hoping you get to start with something small. Paul, on his first encounter against the demonic, faces off with the principality of that whole region. Somebody give me a towel, please. And he doesn't hesitate. He stops and he faces it head on without fear. It says, then Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise Jesus. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus. You see that? It says he looked straight at him. He didn't waver. He didn't look away. He's looking at him as if to say, I'm not intimidated by you. I know who you are. I'm prepared for this, and I know that I have full authority to deal with you. You're not going to stop me? Watch this. From Cyprus... Paul is getting ready to enter into the first apostolic journey recorded in Scripture. If that journey didn't happen, none of our mission trips would have happened. That was to become the paradigmatic apostolic journey for all of the body of Christ, for all of history until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For years, for centuries, for centuries, for millennia, believers in Jesus Christ would look back at that journey and say at the moment Paul was getting ready to be broken through into the fullness of his apostolic ministry, the devil came to oppose him face to face. I'm telling you, last Saturday night when I was attacked by that demon-possessed man, it's a sign of what's happening in the spirit. It was not a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. It's because we are being opposed by a power of the devil that sees that we are getting ready to break through and go to the next level. We are getting ready to reach a harvest. Do you know how many souls have come to Christ just this year through this house? Take a wild guess. Somebody throw out a number. Through this house in the world, how many? You guys ain't got no faith. We have seen more than 85,000 people come to Christ this year. In one crusade alone in Ethiopia, we saw 85,000 people come to Christ. Now, when you start seeing tens of thousands of people come to Christ every year, you're going to wear a bullseye on your back. The devil is not going to sit back from that, but he is going to oppose you. And you know what? That was just the beginning. We're going to have years where we see millions of people come to Christ. This is what the Lord said to me this week. And He said it to me a few days ago, and it didn't hit me till today. We are being opposed by a spirit of sorcery and a spirit of unbelief. A spirit of sorcery and a spirit of unbelief has stood right in front of us and is opposing us to our face. And here's what the spirit of sorcery is doing. It's doing the same thing, bar bar Jesus, son of Jesus, in other words, the son of the devil. It's doing the same thing he did. Paul is speaking to Sergius Paulus, and that spirit of sorcery is standing next to him going, no, 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 no. And it's seeking to turn his heart away. When I'm speaking to you right now, there's a spirit of sorcery standing next to you trying to turn your heart away from what I'm saying to you. And you know how I'm seeing it manifest in the house? people are getting offended and leaving the church for almost no reason. I mean, I hear about folks that are leaving. They won't talk to me. They won't take my calls. And I find out what they're offended about, and it's almost nothing. Sometimes it's not even existent. Something that didn't even happen. In more than one case, people are offended by something that did not even happen. And they were not aware that what's happening to them is an attack of the devil that's seeking to turn their hearts away from what God is doing in this house at the very moment that He's breaking us through into a place of great victory and great abundance. And we are strategically poised, just as Paul was poised on the island of Paphos, on the island of Cyprus, getting ready to enter into the fullness of his apostolic mission, we are strategically poised right on the cusp of something that is going to be paradigmatic for the body of Christ for generations to come. Generations to come are going to look back and say, Living Hope did this in 2011 and in 2012. We can do it too. But we must be aware so that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm saying to you, we're not going to be ignorant of the devil's devices, but we're going to walk through this and remain one. And not only that, but with one voice, when that spirit of Elimus comes at us, we're going to turn and face off with him and say, you son of the devil. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a spirit. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about a spirit that's trying to turn our hearts away from one another. I remember when we first started the church, people would get saved and then disappear. First, for the first eight months, nobody got saved. I could tell you the spiritual side of that as well. There were many things that God was revealing as we were entering into very deep spiritual warfare in that season. After eight months of spiritual warfare, something broke and people started getting saved. I'll never forget the first... Sunday that that two people got saved one Sunday you would have thought it was revival the way we were jumping and shouting like revival had come and I mean it was real salvation's I mean they were at the altar just broken and weeping but What started happening was people would get saved and disappear, and we'd never see them again. And I'm talking about they would have these power encounters at the altar. I remember one guy came and stood at the back and and shot me dirty looks the whole message. But before I could even do the altar call at the end of the service, he ran to the front and fell on his face, and he was bawling and weeping and bawling and weeping. And he said, This is your sermon talked exactly to my life. Exactly what's been happening in my life is what you've been saying, and I need this, and I'm here, and I'm never. We never saw him again. We saw people get delivered from demons, and they disappeared. And so I started I started praying and saying, Lord, what is happening? What is happening? I went to sleep one night, and I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw the room where we were having services, and I saw people inside, and the power of God was falling, and people were getting it, and people were getting saved. Right outside the room, I saw about a 10 or 12-foot python. And as soon as people came out of the door, it wrapped around them and would choke them out. One by one, it would wrap around them and choke them out, squeeze them out, choke them out. Right after they got the, the power of God fell on them. So we started to face off with this python spirit in our prayer meetings. We were having early morning prayer meetings at 5 30 a.m. every single morning, and we started facing off with this python spirit saying, You're not going to choke out the people of this house. And guess what happened? It broke, and suddenly people started getting saved and staying. And suddenly the church started growing. I'm telling you what I know in the spirit. I know it in the spirit because I've seen it happen year after year after year. The devil is like a fox. He comes at you a different way every year. Every year he comes at you. a different. And if this way won't work, he'll come at you another way. And if that way won't work, he'll come at you another way. And if this way won't work, he'll come at you another way. And I'm saying to you, and I know it by the word of the Lord, that if we confront this thing and break it from over this house, I tell you it will have no power over us. I tell you this phenomenon of people's hearts being turned, it will stop in its tracks. Why? Because suddenly we're aware of the devil's devices and we're no longer tricked by it. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because Paul, facing Alemus, could have backed down. He could have went home and got discouraged. Let's go back to Antioch, Barnabas. This doesn't work. The devil's always fighting us, and he stops us in our tracks. He could have tried to be nice. Excuse me, Mister Sorcerer. I- I'm nicely asking you to stop. I'm really trying to, you know, I'm really trying to be nice here. He could have been so discouraged that it interrupted his entire mission. You know, churches often come right up to the door of breakthrough, they get opposed by the devil, and they back off. And then they come right up to the door of breakthrough, they're opposed by the devil, and then they back off. And if we're not careful, we can repeat that cycle again and again and again and again. And after a while, you start accusing God of not being faithful to his promise. Because each time you're approaching the door of breakthrough, you're approaching with the promise of God. And what we don't realize is that we're not entering in, not because God is not faithful, but because we're not willing to stand and do battle with the spirit of sorcery and say, this time you're moving out of my way. This time you're not keeping me out of my destiny. This time you're not stopping me. No, this is not the end of my journey. This is not the end of my mission. I will not stop the mission. And you're not going to stop me. I'm declaring that you're judged. I know who you are. I see what you are. And you will not stop the work of the Lord from coming to fruition. And I'm saying to you that we're taking this thing down tonight. We're taking this thing down tonight. I've never been so on fire in my spirit before. I've never been so serious before in my heart. I'm telling you, this thing is not going to punk us. I'm telling you, the devil is not going to punk us this time. I'm telling you, we are not going to be afraid. We are not going to back down. We're not going to be nice about it. We're going to knock this thing out tonight. I'm telling you, we are doing warfare tonight and we're taking this thing out and we're going to see victory spread across the house of God. I'm telling you, we're going to break through into a new level of victory and what's going to come with it is a new unity. I'm talking about a supernatural unity where instead of people who are with you suddenly turning against you, people who are against you are certainly going to turn with you. I'm saying that the favor is going to spread to high level officials in this city. The favor is going to spread to business leaders in this city. The favor is going to spread to financiers in this city, to the people with the money and with the buildings and with the properties. And they're going to open their doors. I'm telling you tonight that our victory is now. Our victory is now. Our victory is now. We're not waiting another day. We're not waiting another day. We're not hesitating. We're not backing down. We're taking this mountain. We're taking... Do you believe that? Stand on your feet tonight right now. Stand up and go to war. I want you to open your mouth right now and go to war. Come on. We're going to war against this spirit of sorcery. You spirit of sorcery, we break your power. We speak right to you tonight in the name of Jesus. And we say that your power is broken. We say that your power is broken in Jesus' name. You son of the devil, you power of deception, you power of deception, we judge your work tonight in the name of Jesus. We declare that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We declare that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We declare that the kingdom of God is here. Come on, go after it tonight in the name of Jesus. We are not backing down. We are not going to stop. We're not going to slow down. We are not backing up. We are not backing out. We will have our destiny. We are entering into our destiny. Come on, go after it tonight. Don't stop. Go after it. We are waging war in the heavenlies. Those of you that have been affected by that spirit of sorcery, just renounce it right now. We will have no fellowship with that spirit of sorcery tonight. We renounce it right now in Jesus' name. We remove it from over this house. We break its power right now. We declare that we are one. Come on, go after it. Go after it. Go after it. We will not tolerate any demonic influence in this house. We declare that only one name is named in this house. We declare that only one voice is heard in this house. And it is the name of Jesus. And it is the voice of God. We declare that there's only one spirit in this house. And it is the spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name come on go after it tonight go after it tonight in jesus name we judge that wicked spirit of sorcery we break the power of it in the name of jesus we break the power of sorcery from over this house we break it right now in the name of jesus we judge it right now in the name of jesus No weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us, we will refute. This is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is of me, says the Lord. We declare victory tonight. We declare that its power is broken in the name of Jesus. We declare that its power is broken in the name of Jesus. We declare that that spirit has been blinded in Jesus' name. We declare that we are the people of God. We are one and we will not be divided. We will not be divided in mind. We will not be divided in heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. We declare victory in Jesus' name. We declare that every power of sorcery is broken. We bind every power of sorcery and witchcraft from over this house. In Jesus' name, that power of the devil that seeks to oppose us, that seeks to keep us from entering into our destiny. We will not stop. The mission has only begun. The mission has only begun. We've only just begun. We're just getting started. We're not finished. We're not finished. We've only just begun. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. Devil, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen nothing yet. For this reason, the Son of God was made manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil. We come to destroy the works of the devil. We come to destroy the works of the devil in this city. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we are more than conquerors. The accuser of the brothers is cast down. He who accuses them before the throne of God day and night, we have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives even unto death. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name in Jesus name hallelujah 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 god let there be a demonstration of power such as has not been seen let there be a demonstration of your power let there be a demonstration of your power In the name of Jesus, God, let there be an outbreak of divine power that demonstrates the superiority of Christ over every power of the demonic. In the name of Jesus. Some of you tonight need to repent. You've taken part in the spirit of sorcery. I want you to renounce it right now. Renounce it right now. I will have no part in it. Renounce it right now. Renounce it right now. We break the power of sorcery right now. We will not try to tame our demons. Come on, you can't tame that demon. Some of you are harboring bitterness. You can't tame it. You're harboring unforgiveness. You can't tame it. Whatever you've been harboring, you get rid of it. You kill it. You kill it. Put it to death right now. We put it to death right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, break it right now. Declare that you have no fellowship with it. You have no fellowship with it. You have no fellowship with it. It has no power over you. It has no power over you. It has no power over you. Come on, begin to declare it. You have no power over us. You have no power over us. You have no power over us. We declare that your works are bound in this house in Jesus' name. We bind your works over this house in the name of Jesus. We bind your works in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now begin to rejoice right now. It's done. It's done. It's done. Begin to rejoice. Come on, now just begin to worship Jesus. Begin to worship Jesus. Begin to worship Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship and adore you. We worship and adore you. Hmm. I feel in my heart right now that some of you need to come to the front and repent of it and release it and renounce it. You need to make a public statement right now that I'm shaking this off. I'm, sh- I'm just going to have nothing to do with this. There's no condemnation on it. You, weren't, you didn't know that it was happening. You didn't do it intentionally. But tonight, you're releasing it. Come on. Come right now. Come right now. Don't be afraid. Since there's a release of power that's coming at this altar right now for those that come and say, I'm letting this go right now. I'm breaking it off my life right now. This is breaking off my life, right? Yes, there's a release of power coming right now. There's a release of power coming right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's breaking right now. 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 I thank you for it, Father. I thank you, God. I thank you. It's breaking right now. I break off all condemnation. I break off all condemnation. I break it off right now. There's no condemnation in this You're being set free from this thing. I judge the spirit not you. I'm not judging you. I'm judging that spirit I'm judging that spirit that sought to hold sway over your life I'm judging it right now, and I'm setting you free from it right now. I release you from it right now I release you from all shame. I release you from all condemnation. I release you from all guilt I release you from all fear. I release you from it right now. I declare it in Jesus' name. I declare it in Jesus' name. You are free. I command that spirit of sorcery to break right now. I command it to leave right now. I forbid it to speak to you anymore. I forbid it to have any influence in your life. I declare you've got authority over it now. I declare you have authority over it right now. You've got authority over it right now. You are more than a conqueror because He loves you. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Come on, keep warring right now, folks. I establish you in the truth right now. I establish you in your place in the house of God. I establish you in the truth and in your place in the house of God. I establish you in it right now. In the name of Jesus, I establish you in the truth. I establish you in the truth right now and in your place in the house of God. The devil will not move you. He will not rob you of your inheritance. He will not trick you. The devil will not trick you. You are more than a conqueror. You are established in the house of the Lord. You are. Established in your place in the kingdom. You are established right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I establish you in your house, your place in the house. I establish you in your place in the house. In the name of Jesus, I establish you in your place in the house. In Jesus' name. Come on, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't stop. Hallelujah. We thank you that it's done, Father. We thank you that it's done, Jesus. We thank you that it's done. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Come on, just worship Him right now. Just worship Him. We worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you. We adore you. We glorify your name. We bless you. We magnify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. 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 This is a historic night. This is history in the making right now. You know, you ever repeated a cycle again and again and again and couldn't figure out why? And then all of a sudden you found the key. That's what I felt like today. I feel like we've repeated this cycle. We've come right to the edge of our destiny but never entered into it. And I couldn't figure out why. And then all of a sudden the Lord showed me today. And now it's broken. Now we're moving forward, and I say to you that each and every one of you are deputized by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going forth with authority over every power of sorcery. It will no longer have any power over you or any sway over your hearts or minds, but I'm sending you tonight, just like my spiritual father sent that pastor and his wife to Kenya, and there were miracles, just like he sent my father to the hospital, and that, that woman was completely healed, just like last night I sent that man to lay hands on his son, and he was healed. I'm sending you in the power of God. I'm sending you, and I say, there's absolutely no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. It's broken. And I'm deputizing you tonight, and I give you authority over the spirit of sorcery and over the spirit of witchcraft. And when you see people bound by it, number one, you're going to have discernment to know what it is. And number two, you're going to have power to break it and set them free. I say, you have complete authority. It will have no more influence over your life. No more. And I say that you're set free. Some of you came here harboring bitterness and unforgiveness and all kinds of stuff. And because of it, a spirit of unbelief has crept in. You've had trouble even believing that God is there for you, that He is releasing you into your destiny or that He even has a destiny for you. You've even had trouble believing that God hears you when you cry out to Him. But I say that that power of unbelief is broken from over your life tonight And what you're going to find immediately when you leave this place is a new faith A new ability to believe God for the impossible You're going to stand in the face of the impossible You're going to look it in the eye and laugh And you're going to say all things are possible for him who believes All things are possible for him who believes And often what simply needs to happen is healing Tonight, I came at you hot and heavy and hard. But it's because I knew something was breaking in the spirit. I did it not to break you, but to break the spirit that's coming against you. But I say it's broken now. And and you know, oftentimes, all it takes is something has to be broken and healing just rushes in. And tonight, that healing has rushed in. And you've been made whole again. Some of you have been troubled in your hearts. You've been troubled in your spirit. Now you have authority over it. Remember, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Do not allow your hearts to be troubled. When Jesus said that, he gave his disciples the authority to guard their own hearts against anything that would trouble them. And I give you that authority tonight in the name of Jesus. And I say, let not your heart be troubled. And I say, you will not let your heart be troubled. You won't allow it to. You won't allow it to. No troubling spirit has any authority over you from this day forward. But instead, you're going to believe in God. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You know what protects your heart from being troubled is faith. You believe in God, Jesus said, believe also in me. And then he said this, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know what he wants you to believe? That he's preparing a place for you. That where I am, He said, there you may be also. He's preparing a place for you and not just in heaven, but it will be on earth as it is in heaven. He's preparing a place for you in this next season of life. He's preparing a place for you to operate in all of the gifts and callings He's given you. He's preparing a place for you to live out your destiny to the fullest. He's preparing a place for you. And so no matter what happens in this season, you will not let your heart be troubled because He is preparing a place for you Say, it's so hard for me to find my place. Nobody's asking you to find your place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, when I'm done preparing it, I will come again to take you under myself. When it's his time, he'll come take you there. You don't have to make it happen. Your job is simply to let not your heart be troubled and to believe. And tonight you have the authority to do that. Lift up your hands to the Lord now. I speak blessing over you I release the forgiveness and power of the Lord over you. I say that you are now full of faith. You're full of authority. You're full of power. And you're full of joy. And the devil will not have any power to take it from you tonight. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than victorious. And I release the love of God over your life tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen Hallelujah We're one We are one We are one We are one You know we teach this to married couples all the time Jesus said what God has joined together Let no one separate Do you know that when you get married When you stand at that altar God joins you together It's not simply two human beings deciding to join themselves together. It's not a preacher joining you together. It's not your family joining you together. But God joins you together. Now if God joins you together, that means that marriage is a completed work. That means that the mystery in the spirit is that when two stand at an altar and the minister says, I now pronounce you man and wife, in the spirit there is a work of joining together that happens. And the two turn and walk away from that altar as one. That means, and we tell married couples this all the time, I hear married couples say, we're so divided. We're not one. We're so divided. And I speak to them and say, no, no, that means you're stronger than God. Because God put you together. You don't even have the power to divide yourself. You say, well, we need to work towards oneness. No, 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 no. It's a finished work. The moment you said, I do. God made you one. The only thing that can separate you is if you stop believing that God has made you one. And the greatest challenge for a married couple is to walk through challenges and trials and tribulations, but still believe we are one. My spiritual father used to instruct me after I got in a fight with my wife to go into our room and begin to declare, We are one. We are one. We are one. We are one. There's no division between us. Even though in the natural there's all kinds of divisions between us, but in the spirit we're still one. I choose to look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Do you know that marriage is a metaphor for the relationship between Christ and His church? And Jesus bought His church with His blood. He paid the price and He made it one. One church. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 4... He says, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one Lord, and there's one church. One faith. It's one. That means that we are one. And we cannot be divided. The only way we can be divided is if we stop believing that God has made us one. You know what? In the Spirit, God has already unified us. We don't need to work to make it happen. We simply need to believe it and then walk in it you now have the power to believe it and you have supernatural faith to believe it in a way that you've never believed it before. The devil will never divide us because we are one. Husbands and wives, the devil will never divide you because you are one. You believe that? Amen. Lift your hands one more time. Father, I bless these sons and daughters of yours and I speak blessing, strength and encouragement. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.